0: welcome to the Plymouth meeting Church podcast thank you for tuning in we hope the following message touches your hearts and minds Jess and I are blessed to have a dishwasher at home and it's a it's a great machine and something that fascinates me is when you load the dishwasher uh, it, it can teach me about life I don't know if your dishwasher speaks to you Um <laughs> And here's here's the thing, like focusing just on like the top rack. Let's let's assume the bottom is all filled up, but the top rack is filled up, and you know you got cups and mugs and things like that in there. And um, then you have like this bowl that you need to try to get into the top rack. And what you find out is like if you take some of the mugs out, put the bigger bowl in, and then put your mugs and cups back around it. Most of the time, it all fits. And it's just, it fascinates me. And, and the, the simple lesson is this. Big things need to go in first. It's a simple lesson that our dishwasher can can teach us about life and, and priorities. Because we have big things in life, don't we? And they're big for a reason. These are the things in life that are important and they have value and the things that support and promote life, these, these are the most important things, big things in life. Then we have like medium-sized things, and they're important too, but they definitely need to work around the big stuff. And then we have little things, we have little things, little items, and you know what, they, they need to fit in wherever they can. And so in this analogy, you know, we need to figure out what is a big thing in our life. What's a little thing? In our life. So let's ask what is important to you? What's central? What's vital? What brings you closer to Jesus? What builds community? What helps you to love others? What, what helps you to you know, submit to others and give yourself away and, and to go out of your way and to go the extra mile and to turn turn the, the cheek and, and all of that stuff? What, what adds value to your life? Or, if you're like me sometimes, your life gets filled up with a bunch of little things. Not that it's bad, not that they're bad, but it's like all these little things, they take away from the from the bigger items in, in life. And so, is is Christmas important to you? Is Jesus a big thing in your life? Is his mission a big thing in your life? Is the faith community important to you? Last week, we talked about hope. We talked about Jesus being the light uh, in our, our darkness. We look forward and hope for for our rescuer. You know, someday Jesus is going to, to come. And, and you know, when we think about faith and hope, they're, they're kind of like siblings. We want to kind of study them together, faith and hope. And so our, our hope and our expectations, and as we read these promises from the Word of God, and we get excited about, like, like these these things that are that are coming up, and yeah, these expectations and dreams that we have, we let our hope backfill to our present day, and it activates our our faith today. If, if Jesus is is coming, we can actively participate and prioritize and prepare for him. Today is the second Sunday of Advent, and our theme of of today is preparation. And so may we prepare ourselves to receive and grow and go in the light of Jesus. So in your Bibles, the fourth biggest book in your Bible is Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah. And we, we were in Isaiah last week, and if you were here, uh, you might recall that Isaiah is prophetic poetry and it's filled with scathing accusations and judgments and warnings. And it can be a little bit uncomfortable to read. It can be kind of confusing to read if you don't know the, the, the broader context, you know? But also, Isaiah has words of hope. And there's promises mixed in to all of this prophecy. Isaiah, if you look at it like in terms of like a literary unit, there's, there's kind of like two main parts to it. The first part is Isaiah 1 through 39, and we can kind of like draw a line. And then Isaiah 40 to the end, chapter 66, kind of makes up this second half of Isaiah. And so at the end of the first half, Isaiah chapter 39 we find out that there is an envoy from Babylonia that comes to King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah is the the leader of God's people here. Now, in the story, the Babylonians, they're not the bad guys yet, or they're not, like, the baddest form of of what they end up being, okay? And so this envoy comes to King Hezekiah, and Hezekiah is foolish, And he shows the Babylonians everything, okay? And I'm reminded of the first Home Alone movie here. I trust everyone has seen it, Home Alone, the first one. In the very beginning, if you recall, you have Joe Pesci, who plays Harry. And in the very beginning of that movie, Harry is dressed up like a policeman. He's a a cop. And he's visiting the McAllister house. You guys have seen this movie, right? Okay. And it's it. and here's the thing: we don't know that he's a bad guy yet in the movie. Okay, but here he is, he's a criminal who is dressed up like a policeman, and he's like scoping out his next big score. It reminds me of 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 that Hezekiah, he he brings in the Babylonians. You know, at some point they'll be the quote bad guys, but like Hezekiah shows them absolutely everything, the national storehouse, everything that he has going on in in the palace, you know, the treasures, look at all my fine spices and oil, you know, everything, His, his armory, my bank account, my safety deposit box, you know, Check out my health insurance information. I don't like, like Hezekiah shows them everything he has going on in his palace. And Isaiah has like a a hand to the forehead type of moment. And he's like, these Babylonians, someday they're going to take all this stuff away. They're going to take your family away too. And we find out that exile does happen. All this comes to pass. The Babylonians take everything away. And so then when we get to Isaiah chapter 40, we run into these prophetic words and we run into these words of of hope and and words of comfort. And then there's this voice, this wilderness herald. A voice cries out. And here's the thing. Will will we listen to the voice in the wilderness? Verse 3 says, A voice of one calling... In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. So think about deserts. Kind of otherworldly landscapes. They're arid, dry. I guess you can have cold deserts, but perhaps we're thinking of like a hot desert. They're dusty, you get sandstorms. They can be really dangerous places, lots of creatures there's an animal in the old testament called a jackal jackals live there i'm actually not sure what a jackal is i'll have to google that one later just to double check but there's it's a hard place to live but we're called in the desert this is where we prepare for god we turn to God. We, we make preparations. And, and here's the thing. Um, if you read the Bible and you, you come away from the Bible in a very cozy situation, I don't know what Bible you're reading. <laughs> because God, a, a pattern that is in Scripture is this that preparation often starts in the desert place, the hard place. Okay, it doesn't happen in the city or in the religious center. Okay, God meets us when we are parched, when we are hungry, when we're recognizing that we are hungry and we're tired, or we're in darkness—an element that we looked at last week. And so, with Advent season, yes, we've we've turned it into spectacle. I'm a fan of cultural Christmas, consumer Christmas, like. I like a good Christmas tree. I like presents and, you know, some of the mythology, Grinch and Frosty, right? Yeah, they're, they're like, that's okay to enjoy, but, like, that's, that's not what we're about, okay? Advent is not preparing your shopping list to get all these gifts done for everyone, which nowadays people just they're like, yeah, just send me the Amazon link, and you just like click and buy it. For, it's like it's not even shopping. It you know I won't go there. But we've made Advent something else. Advent is about seeking God, even when we don't feel God, when we don't see God. Sometimes I don't feel it in my heart, but my head is like, yep, intellectually I'm locked in. I don't feel you, God but I'm seeking you out. Or sometimes it's reverse. My head's all whack, but God's there in my heart, but I'm seeking you out. That's Advent. That's, that's the desert place. That's the hard place. You see, sometimes with cozy Christianity, we, we like our, our coziness. We want our bubble of what we know, and we like, we like our traditions, and, and we just like to be comfortable but in cozy Christianity, we can miss what God says to us. We, we can miss God's calling, God's challenge to us. And I mean that in a good way, like God's words of equipping, God's empowerment, God, God's, um, God's good word of, of hope. Sometimes when we're so cozy, we miss what God is saying to us. So again, preparations turning back to God, being hungry, seeking God out. Sometimes the place we really hear that clearly is when we're in the wilderness, when we're in the wilds of life. Deserts can be hard to travel. It can be hard to move in a desert. There's difficulty and and struggle and danger. And so building a highway, as Isaiah says, Uh, talks about here, building a highway will definitely require intentionality. It will require an act of faith. So again, God, he meets us in the hard places, in the valley of the shadow of death. That's where he is with us. And for some reason, this is where God, he can reveal himself to us in a real way. He'll speak to us. He'll call us by our name, and it's amazing. And in faith, though, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, even when it just seems so dark, and perhaps we're lamenting or we're just overwhelmed with grief, we're so stressed out, but God is there, and we are to seek God out. Preparation, advent, be expectant. God, this is hard, but you're worth it, and I'm hungry for you. So we need faith. We need intentionality. Verse 4, every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. So use your imagination here. These words of, of transformation, valleys, let's lift them up. Let's raise up the low places. Mountains, bring them down. Let's level it all out. The uneven spots will be smooth. Let's fill in all the potholes in life. As Pennsylvanians, we know potholes very well. Let's fill it all up. Make it smooth. The rough places made flat. Let's steamroll it all out nice and wide. So smooth yeah, again, potholes, right? When, when when we're driving down the turnpike, and then you hit that like really nice stretch that they just did, and all of a sudden, like your car goes from mayhem to just like nice, smooth, and it's quiet. Isn't that awesome? I love that. Anyways, transformation. Following Jesus is about transformation. Okay, it's not just about following rules. Or going through the motions just to get in. And again, hey, if I'm in, then I can be cozy and I can just relax. And what Following Jesus is about transformation. So like, for example, when Jesus says, love your enemies. Just going through religious motion, that doesn't get us there. Loving your enemies, this enemy embracing love. In order to do that, in order to get there. Jesus knows the only way that happens is through transformation. And so uh, valleys, lift them up. Mountains, level them down. Make this nice and smooth. Let's build this highway. Let's transform the desert and get it ready for God. Um, This idea of, of transformation here, it reminds me of this concept called terraforming. Terra means earth or land, and forming means like shaping. So like earth shaping, right? It's kind of like a sci-fi term, terraforming. And what people, I guess, kind of geek out and nerd out about is that, hey, can we terraform Mars? Can we go to Mars and use technology to build an atmosphere and And change the planet so that it can be hospitable, right? Now, the prophet Isaiah probably wasn't thinking about terraforming Mars when he wrote down these words. But there's this imagery of building a highway in the desert, in the hard place, in the hot and dusty place. This is where we get to work. We build a highway, and it might be costly. It might be time-consuming. There might be delays and dangers and distractions, But if rolling the red carpet out for Jesus is important, then yeah, let's remove obstacles. Let's put plans together. Think about preparing a meal. When does a meal become a meal? Does it begin in your imagination? And then you drop down your grocery list, and then you go to the store, and you you buy ingredients, and you bring those ingredients home, and you put those ingredients away? And then you you get these ingredients out, and then you you put things together. You might have to bake it or cook it. But there is usually this act of transformation, right? You are taking things and purposely putting it together. You are preparing a meal. You are making something happen. Advent season. Let's prepare for Jesus. It's a journey of faith. And then it says in verse 5, And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is Yahweh's word right here. This is God's word. God's glory will arrive. God will roll down the highway of preparation. And he's going to be present with his people. Well, guess what? That is the Christmas story. God did arrive. Glory came rolling in with flesh on. Bouncing to the New Testament real quick. John chapter 1 verse 14. The word became flesh. That's Jesus. The word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of one and only. Who came from the Father full of grace and truth. With Christ, God is really with us. And John and others, they actually got to gaze upon Glorious Jesus. And we do as well. In spiritual ways. And Jesus. He doesn't leave us in the cave of darkness. That's a call back from last week. Jesus doesn't leave us in the desert. He doesn't leave us in the wilderness. He doesn't sit back. And judge us from a distance. He doesn't leave us to our own devices. He's not just waiting for you. To mess up. The good news is. Jesus. Jesus pursues his people. To borrow from a missionary, his name's Hugh Halter. He says, we have faith in a God who became one of us, who came to us and pursues us. He came so that you can experience glory, not just in the future, but right now, today. Jesus came so that you can have life. You can have abundant life. And when we pursue Jesus, what's really awesome is that we find out that he's been pursuing us all along. And so, yes, we we love Christmas baby Jesus. We love Easter Jesus. We like the Jesus of Revelation 29. But we don't want to miss out on the Jesus of today. Everyday life, Jesus, because God really did put on flesh. And glorious Jesus, He shows us how to live. And so, this Advent season, may we seek out the terraforming of our heart. We already have all the Holy Spirit and all the Jesus we can get. It's about us getting out of the way, it's about us. Seeking God out. Perhaps a fancy word is attunement. Recentering. Coming back into alignment. Reorienting ourselves with Jesus. It's a preparation. It's going to require some work. It's it's the work of the Holy Spirit, but we have responsibility. We have this agency. Like it doesn't just happen, but we, we have this agency and responsibility. We can we can work on these things, and the Holy Spirit comes in, and, and the things that we do, our spiritual disciplines, it, it's like they become tools in the hands of the Holy Spirit, and, and we grow, and we get closer to Jesus. And what that looks like is mountains of religious pride need to come down. Valleys of despair and self-rejection need to be raised up. Rough places need to be worked on. Obstacles need to be removed. Lives need to be corrected with truth. And so this Advent season, are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you ready to meet Jesus in the wilderness, in the desert place? Are you ready to build a highway for Jesus? Are you all in? Or is Jesus really not that big of a deal? I love to preach and teach. What we're doing right now—the sermon—is super valuable, super important. But it's just one aspect of our Christian faith. Our weekly rhythm of meeting together and um, and this, this sermon here and. But here's the thing: a, a sermon is is not enough. Don't let your faith life just ride <laughs> on a on a weekly sermon. Because you are called to be an active participant. So I want to encourage you. I'm going to put this into your hands now. Prioritize your Jesus time. What does that look like? Prepare. Make some plans. If you're not waking up early enough, set the alarm five, ten minutes earlier. Just... Make a plan, prep, pray, journal things out, focus on your gospel identity. What do I mean by that? Hey, you're a child of God. You're loved. God God is so pleased with you because of Christ in you. You are free. You're not just free from death, but you're also free from from life. You're not just free from the fear of death. You're free from the fear of life. And you get to engage in new life today. You get to grow in this good news every single day. Grow in your gospel identity. Slow down. I was talking with one of you yesterday. We might be having a sermon series on Sabbath coming up once we get past the holidays. Slow down. Take a chill. Eliminate distractions. What is a big thing in your life? What needs to go? Is your life just a bunch of little things? And it's just its too much? Try to slow down. Eliminate distractions. Set some goals. Get involved with your faith community. Bring your family out. The church, worship, listen, recenter yourself, wait, prepare your heart to receive Jesus. Be ready to go do the things that he wants you to do. So this Advent season, it's not about the presence, right? But it's about preparation. It's about hope. It's about being expectant. Finding that holy edge where darkness is turned into light, where predictability is turned into possibility. We are disciplining ourselves so that we don't miss Jesus. Let's pray.